Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. she work at a bank my mom worked at a bank yeah didn't she get held up yeah my mom was held up at gunpoint at a bank I think what's especially fucked up about our storyteller this week is I think they're prepared to a certain degree right and I think the usual understanding is that you'll be robbed at gunpoint Mm -hmm. and I think what's particularly kind of fucked up and maybe caught her off guard in this situation is she's on guard for for that potential of being held up at gunpoint to for people to take her money but i don't think she was actually prepared for just someone that was potentially mentally ill to pull a knife on her and not do it toward the you know the idea of robbing the place so even though you're kind of on guard for crime in a situation like this it she wasn't on guard for this kind of crime yeah it seems a bit random it's so random so my mom worked in a bank and they were always prepared for being held up at gunpoint but then once you know it actually happened um it was upsetting and it traumatized her. And when I was also held up at gunpoint, just on the road, on the street, you know, that was when she said to me, from now on, you'll never be the same again. And I thought she was crazy and she was actually right. Like it, it filtered everything else in my life when I went out in public. So it's a very traumatizing event. This one in particular is this one. This one in particular is particularly. <laughs> it's fucking scary because this is just a random person that didn't like that you pointed to a piece of paper and comes up behind you and slits your throat. What kind of that's not a proper 
bank heist. No. That's There's nothing even... proper about it. It's completely no. unexpected. It's completely out of left field. Yeah. Because she had the kitchen knife. But she then... brought the kitchen knife. The big she and she said it was a big one, so I assume it was like Oh my god. The big boy. The big the big boy in the block. Yeah. And then but didn't really have a plan after the fact. Yeah. Wasn't to steal any money. Yeah. Also crazy. This was a bank heist with no money taken. I mean, can it even be called a bank heist? No, it can't. But I think that's what is so fucked up about it is most crime in a bank situation is being toward money. And this one seemingly had nothing to do with money. It only had to do with some sort of personal slight about inappropriate touching. She called her touchy-feely. Touchy-feely. Yeah, touchy-feely. You know, some people don't want you you to be so touchy-feely. She pointed to lines on a piece of paper. Also... The reason that she was going to the bank in the first place was to print out old transactions. Yeah, like statements. Statements, which seems, I'm just saying, pro tip, you can actually find all that information online. Yes. If you're not trying to be touchy-field, just go online. and It's not like she's like an old, old lady or anything. Welcome to Trauma Bonded. I'm Ellie Westberg here with Therese Garcia. Hello. And today we're discussing the rebroadcast of This is Actually Happening, episode 142, What If It Happened in Broad Daylight? And this is an episode from 2019. And I think, T, it would be amazing if we could attempt to follow up. 100%. I'm a showrunner for This Is Actually Happening, and I have the privilege to vet stories and conduct pre-interviews before they go to WIT for the final interview, and T knows nothing about anything. She comes in fresh, and this show, Trauma Bonded, is for you, the listeners. It's a space where we can talk about each episode, digest it, and reflect on it with empathy and also a bit of levity. What stuck out to you is the heart of our anonymous's story. Well, it's an awful, awful situation. She kind of starts to be able to listen to herself a little more, understand herself a little more after the fact. I think one big thing that happened in the beginning of her life was this boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. This like, hugely abusive blackmailed her and things. But one thing that he said to her that I think probably affected her quite a bit was uh, when she was crying because he was so awful, he was saying, nobody cares about you crying. This is one of you know the closest people to you, right? And someone you love, maybe you trusted, you know, that you might actually believe him. 
And I think this is something that went on throughout her life where she felt like nobody cared about her. I think she downplayed everything. I was like, no, I'm fine. Totally fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know? So fortunately, I think she was able to kind of come back to herself and not hide the way that she 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 felt anymore. Yes. Even when it first happened, she went into the break room. Yeah. And she's more concerned about how they're looking at her. She's more concerned yeah. about their reaction towards her than, hey, I'm in pain. Let's make sure I'm all set. Right? Right. Or like when, you know, she's like telling everybody she's totally fine, but then she's waking up nightmares and screaming and yelling. Yeah. It's kind of like she's starting to realize that this is actually more of a, a terrible situation than she's trying to to show. Yeah. I think because this was such a public crime, she is actually forced to reconcile what it did to her. I think usually uh, yes. we get caught unaware in our trauma and private situations where it takes like a, a something that forces us to have some kind of deep reflection about it. And you're right because she had this background of um, this fear of blackmailing from her former boyfriend who was an abusive piece of shit by all accounts, like because this crime is so public she now has to actually acknowledge and deal with her victimization for the first time for real, like for real and really in real, the real world. Yeah. All the reals, you know, all it's all real. Yeah. And it, yeah. I think for her too, when she watches the um, security video, she feels empathy towards herself, the victim who is herself. Yeah. And she's like, that, whoa, that, that was brutal, right? That was violent. Um, but it's only then. And what a gift to get. Recognize. Yeah. Most of us don't get a gift like that. So a lot of people deal with their, what they perceive to be their own pain and shame and private. Mm-hmm. And, and because it's so public in all facets and she gets to see herself be victimized. She actually, she actually is forced to face it. And it's a good thing for her. It's like toward healing. Yeah. That's a good one to you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Because before, I mean, another quote from the thing was, Oh, I don't want to burden others with feelings, my feelings. And it's like, this is what really turned everything around. Yeah. And that, yeah. I feel like that's a real feeling. I mean, haven't you yeah. felt that before? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I were stabbed, I might feel like now would be a good time to think and empathize with myself. I mean, maybe. maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I have felt that a lot. Like, I don't, I'm going to, you know, not share my feelings. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not just that she was stabbed either. It's like, it's this like visceral kind of, I mean, she says it herself, like it's truly one of those things that in concept it's worse than it would actually happened. Meaning like 
her throat was slit by a stranger in a bank. Like, on the face of it, that sounds insane. Like, that sounds so crazy. But when she, like, actually recounts the actual physicality of it, you know, she just had some stitches and she's fine, you know, and she can maybe get beyond that. But when you think about what what, what actually happened, it's so much worse than the final outcome. In America, we live in a capitalist society, whatever, you know, but there has to be an element of society. There has to be an element, like, we're not just like bots that make money for people. Like, they're, they're, we are, we are living among each other, and there has to be an element of society there. And in, in order to take care of society, we have to take care of the most indigent among us. Um, the most mentally ill, the most affected by ill health, the most impoverished, the most, we must take care of those people for society to function at all. And it is upsetting when that seemingly is left to the wayside. We live in California, which by all perspectives from other people is a progressive state but we can personally we can personally provide witness that there are people that are that have fallen through the cracks here and it's probably reported on more so than most because people want to make an example of California oh California is such a liberal progressive state especially the bay area or northern california it's such a liberal progressive state but look at all these like terrible homeless encampments and populations that are uncared for, especially in the city of San Francisco um, with regard to opioids and fentanyl and all that shit, you know, we're, we're always looked to as we're supposed to be this rich progressive society. And we have all these people that are left behind and, and it, it is true. And it's something that when you're living in and amongst these people, you do get upset and you're not upset at the people you're upset at the politicians that refuse to acknowledge that that's happening in their communities and don't do anything about it. I mean, when I was taking care of your mom and I lived in the outer mission with your mom in San Francisco and I would ride the 14 bus line from outer mission up to the ferry building and the things you see on this bus it's remarkable. <laughs> you you get a cross section of every bit of everything that's going on in a progressive modern day American city. And I've always said this, any politician that is tr- attempting to serve San Francisco or attempting to serve the state of California, if they really want to know what's going on, just ride that fucking bus line, ride it back and forth. Like you will see exactly what's going on in the city. Even in my meager experience of riding it, I always saw a mental health crisis happening. I always saw, I always was witness to something that was something that could be done better in our city. And long story short, my point is, we must take care of the mentally ill, the most impoverished, the saddest parts of our community. 
if we want other people to thrive in our community. I mean, that's just what society is. You, you can't just live on capitalism. Like you can't just live on money. There are people to be taken care of. You can't just like look at the bottom line. You must take care of people for a society to thrive. That's all I'm saying. Very true. It's almost like they don't even fall through the cracks. It's like, you know, there's a tendency to just throw them away or they're living amongst the cracks. And that does affect us. You know, you're riding on a bus and you you're seeing someone having a mental health crisis and they might lash out in violence and you're just, you know, a regular poor or middle class or whatever person just trying to get to a job or to see a friend that kind of behavior you should be able to call someone and and it shouldn't be a violent aggressive behavior from a police state that reacts Mm -hmm. to it there should be a service that can come and actually meet that person where they are and help them we live in a first world country yeah helping them that's not socialism that's having an effective society that's for all of us and anyone that says that socialism lives in a bubble where they don't understand how these when you're living and working in a city they don't understand how these things work step outside your bubble for a second and see how other people have to deal with the day-to-day lives the day-to-day struggles of regular life. And honestly, I feel like we're all like on a slippery slope. Like we all could be there at any moment. So we should have those services in place. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And I've always been thinking that like we're all on the brink, right? And COVID happened. I mean, really, I think we should think a little bit bigger. Yeah, if there were help for these people as opposed to like you just see someone and you're like scared right but then also like okay this person there's something wrong with this person they are bad you know and that's the thing it's like no no if we had the resources the empathy right to actually help these people maybe our reactions would be different as well yeah I mean, I don't want to get political on this podcast. Well, okay. We consistently pass measures in San Francisco to help the homeless. Billions of dollars. Like homelessness has become the new big business of San Francisco. Yet we can't get rid of it. Lots of people are getting rich off of it. But there doesn't seem to be any progress of getting rid of it. In fact, it seems to get worse and worse all the time. That's a whole other side issue, obviously. I'm not, and I'm not trying to fix that right now. But when we analyze like how we want to live in a society, and and maybe it is just like you don't want to see a homeless encampment on your own street, so you're willing to vote for a measure. I think we just need to. We need to hold politicians accountable for the money that we're giving them for these sort of endeavors. I don't know what I'm saying, but I know what you're saying. It should be solved by now. It really should. It's been going on. <laughs> there's so much. I mean, there's so much money funneled to this problem. 
And it's something that just seems to be talked about over and over and over again. As long as we let people that are mentally unstable continue to exist among us without help, we are always going to be victims of crime, which is what brings us back to this episode. Yeah, it's completely irrelevant. So I think it's yeah, right. thank you. Yeah, let's talk about um, this terrible boyfriend that she had. Oh, God. The boyfriend that printed out her texts and emails <laughs> and walked by her class. I'm not laughing at it, but it's silly. Like in this, in like thinking about it, in this, we're in this digital world, and he prints out all of these mm-hmm. digital texts and emails, and he would walk by her classroom, <laughs> which is just such show. a bizarre imagining of like him just like holding up her texts and emails and like sliding by her window in this effort to blackmail her and you know he taught her basically that she doesn't want to be a burden with her feelings which is what you said earlier um and it's weird because it really does feel like it's a modern problem this idea that everything that you type is kind of findable and printable mm-hmm. and shareable. T, you have kids and I don't have kids. And it just made me think like, you know, you, your kids live in this world where everything they type is findable and printable and shareable how are you going to teach your kids to avoid situations like this? Haven't really thought about it. (laughs) They can't spell yet. Um, It's coming. It's coming coming. around the bend. No, you're right. I mean, yeah. Let me ask you this. Have you and Gwen decided on how old they're going to be when you're allowing them to have their own phone? have not you know i watched (laughs) my sister go through this and i feel like it just kind of like she didn't have a plan and she just sort of reacted in the moment and i think her like seven and nine-year-old got the newest iphones oh really oh wow on christmas because it was just like all of a sudden like they were aware and then it was this pressure on her. And then she just like, oh my God, could do like a group family plan or whatever. And it just happened. So I, mean, I understand the pressure. But what are you going to do? Well, I'm really scared. I, I, I do imagine that um, like their classmates are going to start getting phones and things yeah. before they yeah. do. And then there's going to be that pressure. I don't know. I don't want to, and I'm scared. I know, but you're going to have to face it at some point. Like 18? Is that No, you 20? seriously are going to have to figure 25. out how you're going to regulate this. Like, you're going to have to have some hard line stances. Because he's six. We're one I, year no. away from that seven. No, I'm saying he's coming around. Okay, let's let's go back to the story. There's no now. way I'm doing that. Okay, but let's say your kids have phones. Um, how do you teach your kids to avoid situations like what she's talking about with this boyfriend? As she says, they are so in love in the beginning. 
I know, but you're good. So I want you to look at this from a parent point of view. Oh. When when Evie comes to you and says, I'm so in love with Gerard. And you're going to be looking at this kid and analyzing exactly what all of his problems are. You're going to see codependency, neediness, uh, needing constant attention, being manipulative. Like you're going to, like these are probably the signs that he was throwing out that she didn't exactly see because she was in it, but a parent might see. What are these red flags? Can, I don't, I have no idea how that might go down. Don't worry, I, I'll be there. Okay, good. You'll size them up. <laughs> yeah, if you, you could help out with that, that'd be great. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to read all that. I'd have to see. You know. You're good at seeing red flags. Thanks for that. It's <laughs> <laughs> really... No, you guys are doing great. But good with I mean, toddlers. Like, once they turn once they into break teens, forth. teens, they're gonna. I mean, they already own, own me. You know. Yeah. A little bit scared. Do you know who Kelly Catrone is? Our editor. <laughs> no. Kelly. So she was first introduced to us on a few episodes of The Hills. And then she was on a few episodes of The City. Oh. And then she got her own show for a season called um, Kel on Earth. Oh, fun. But anyways, long story short, she says that any hard conversations you should have should always be in person so there's no record and no talk. Yeah, no, that's good advice. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, even like when you think about it at work or something, that's what I think of. Things in writing. Like, why don't you send me that in an email? You know? Yeah, there, there, yeah, there's a purpose behind that. So that you can bring it up in a court case. Yeah. <laughs> well, even yeah. like any, any hard conversation with you have with a friend, that's when you should always jump on the phone for. Because you just don't want to have a record of it. But then you don't have proof. Yeah. It depends, right? Are you the victim or the victimizer? Do you want to hear a fun fact? Okay. This is sort of this is sort of on topic and sort of not. So the age of consent in Georgia is 16. This okay. is for example. The age of consent to have sex is 16. But federal law says that child pornography is for those under 18. So technically, you can have sex at 16 in the state of Georgia, but you can't send nudes beforehand. That seems weird. Isn't that weird? You can see it in real life. You can see it in real life. If you take a picture of it, you're going to prison. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Anyway. Good fun fact. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What do you think were on these texts? You think they were like sexts or nudes? Oh, oh for our, our, our storyteller? Yeah. That'd be bad if they were nudes. Maybe. I mean, of course. Or at least like a fun cleavage pick or something. So our anonymous storyteller works at a bank and she's accused of being touchy-feely. Let's talk about the slitting itself. When she says she felt a hand move her hair from her neck, a swiping yes. of her hair from her it's neck. It's very distinct. I mean, she yeah. mentions that a couple times. And then one of fell swoop, the knife crossed the throat. Well, that was a big part of her memory. It seems like when you're, you go through something like that, it's almost maybe like a slow-mo thing, and you kind of feel that right before and remember yeah. it, like the moment right before but I also feel like, why'd she do that? The criminal? The criminal. Why'd the criminal do that? It feels like this weird intimate touch to it, doesn't it? It's a it? touch. There's a touch. Yeah. It's it like feels way touchy-feely. Inti- right? Ironically, the thing The knife is going to go like. through it. It's not like blocking the neck. It's not like a wall. It's hair. Okay, whoa. You just kind of blew my mind a little bit. I hadn't even thought about this. This woman, the I don't know if we call her the criminal or the assailant or the mentally unstable. Assailant, assailant, yeah. Assailant. She hated being pointed at or pointed to or or even the conception or perception that she was being touched. Yet she went through this really, really personal intimate act of holding a stranger to her touching her neck and slicing a knife across her throat like a knife attack is so much more personal and intimate than a gun yeah yeah that just blew my mind i hadn't even thought about that it makes you wonder why is it that she couldn't handle it, but she was so willing to dole it out. This sort of like really personal touchy, quote unquote, touchy feely behavior. Yeah. You have to be really close to that person and it is really intimate. It's so close and so intimate. Like the whole thing with her, she'd come, the assailant came in several times and things had to be placed down so she can pick it up so she doesn't touch anyone. So there's no contact yeah. at all. She has a serious problem with touch. So but for her to take it. this route, 
do you think it's just a route of utility? Like it's because like she, she couldn't, couldn't get, get a gun. gun. Yeah. It's in Virginia. Yeah. I don't know how easy it is to get a gun. There. I'm sure it's America. What's also crazy about this story and thinking about how she gone this far to overcome her touchy feeliness to be able to slice someone's throat. And, and our storyteller talks about this, like, she could have so easily lunged at her with this big fucking knife. Oh, yeah. To finish the job. Like, she could have put her, she could have put this knife in her body. Because from all accounts, like, everyone else just stood around and didn't know what to do. So there's these, like, intense moments where she cuts her throat and then nothing happens. But she could have just as easily taken the knife and just started, like, stabbing her in the chest and stomach. Like, she she had all of this physical power behind her. She had this moment of surprise. She caught everyone off guard. She could have easily just taken this knife and started plunging it in her. But she just put the knife in her purse and left. Dude, I mean... Our storyteller should just be so in awe of the... I mean, and she mentions it in her story, but she should have been killed, really. Yeah. If she just would have taken this the knife from her throat and just turned it 90 degrees and just started plunging it into her belly, like, she would be dead. Yeah, why didn't she do that? To escape that? That's crazy. It's like she didn't mean to kill her well that's the thing i mean now we have to start analyzing what was her point why did she do this to her it wasn't to kill her because she could have easily done that in the moment she had some sort of serious visceral reaction to the storyteller pointing at her statement or, or wh- how, whatever her perception was. Why, why did the assailant attack her in the manner that she did and not, not actually commit murder? Was she just trying to get attention? Was she high on some, something or just something was missing in her and she just wanted to make a statement? I mean, what, what was her end goal? Well, a couple of things I wonder is, like, she claims not to remember her attacking. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's almost maybe when she kind of woke up, possibly. It was like, oh, my God, I just did that. Shock. And then you're like, oh, my God. And then you, like, put your knife in your purse and run off. But also, Mm. I just also wonder, like, I've never attacked anyone but wondering how it must feel to have like that power and then doing that and then controlling yourself enough to stop. Um, Mm. If she were kind of conscious as she was doing it to have that control and why you would stop, Mm. especially if you're at that point, you're thinking probably you're going to lose everything at that point. You're going to get caught. There's all these people around. Uh, maybe you're just trying to get away and like you're like, oh, I don't want to go to prison forever or you don't want to, you know. But when you have that, it's almost like animalistic 
aggression all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. And then you're doing it and you're like, oh, I'm stopping. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. She did stop herself. She knew better. Mm-hmm. Whatever her motives were to make a point, or maybe she fell into some kind of psychosis and then snapped out of it. I mean, she definitely wasn't trying to kill her. Yeah, I also wonder if she always had the knife in her purse. Yeah, maybe. Just in case. Yeah. Let's talk about when our storyteller, you know, found out about the news report initially. And the report was that uh, the assailant had been shot and killed. And she said that she thought she was dead and she didn't know how to feel at that moment. Was it the, because she wanted to have some answers? I think that's a really that's a really hard fact to accept, right? I mean, you've just been attacked. You don't know what's going on. And then you're, you've been told that the police shot her and she's dead. How are you supposed to feel in that moment? Which is what she was questioning. She didn't know how to feel. Yeah, it's hard to process. I mean, I was kind of disappointed as well. As a listener, I was like, oh, damn, we'll never know why. Right, we really want to know why. But we still, but yet, we, still we still don't know why. She lived and we still don't know why. But let me, let me ask you this, T. Is that the only reason to preserve her life? To find out the why? I mean, I don't think it's the only reason <clears throat> uh, to preserve her life. It'd be good to just preserve life. But also to know why might help to understand, obviously, why she did that. But also, would it help in figuring out how to get her some help? Um, what do you think? No, I think it, I think it's a a natural reaction for us to um, especially in America, we've got a lot of uh, active shooter situations and a lot of them end in suicide of the, the shooter. And we get all bummed out because we're like, Oh, we weren't able to interview him to find out why. Mm-hmm. Because I think, We think that these sort of tragedies are going to be lessened if we can understand why. Or these tragedies don't have to go without merit if we can learn from them. Yeah. Yes, we've lost people or we've had tragedies, but at least we found out why they have... You know, we try to equate it to like a, a leak in your bathroom why is the bathroom leaking? Well, it's because the valve shut off, you know, with the L hinge or whatever. Oh, oh, well, well, we won't let that happen again. And we made this new part for it. Now, going forward, all the new L hinges have these little parts. Like, we think that we can fix this right. Or it could be because you fell on the toilet and broke the toilet. Right. <laughs> Sometimes people just have too much sake and they just fall on a toilet and break the toilet and you can't fix it with a water hinge. Yeah. 
but I, that is, I think that is our, our natural reaction is if we could understand why people do things, we can prevent them from happening again. And that's always why we want to understand why that's always why we, that's why profiling is so important in criminal behaviors. Like that's why we can understand the why then we maybe we can prevent crime from happening because it is so scary to think that we do not have an understanding or control over the things that happen to us so we must always analyze the why so that we can prevent and predict and stop and we just might not ever be able to it's like the scariest place for people to live truly right oh yeah why 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 how how where and 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 this is what she says she says anybody can kill you at any time for any reason and that is the stark cold fucking bum ass get the heart of the story now anybody can kill you at any time for any reason that's what I'm learning. You know, thinking about her assailant, she wanted to know the why. The answer, as she said, would put a cap on it. And I, she said, I could tell myself this story. She, her assailant was this and this and this, and that led to this and this and this. And that's why she slit her throat. And that's why she's, but she's still alive. And there would be a cap on it. And that's the story she would tell herself. But really the true answer is anybody can kill you at any time for any reason. I'm going to go lock my doors real quick. (laughs) Close this window. Okay. So Caitlin, she goes back to work at the same location. Mm Mm-hmm. Would you T? I mean, if I had the choice, I probably wouldn't. But I think this is her way, right? As she said, to kind of not let her have, not let the assailant have power over her. And she loved it there. It was like one of her places. Like, she felt the most comfortable there and actually had friends and felt like, I don't know, she wanted to stay. A lot of us don't have like a choice just to like move to other. No, I know. I know. Of all time. And it beckons me back to our episode about what if you killed someone? It was the idea that she had her same car repaired. She had this car repaired that oh, killed yeah. the person. But it was because of circumstances that she couldn't just like abandon the car. So it, I, I get it. It's the same kind of idea. Like, you can't necessarily abandon a, a job and just like move to a different country. You can't move to a different city. It's wicked difficult to do that. I mean, when you're suffering from PTSD, it would seem really horrible to put yourself in the same place where you experience that. I mean, her f- throat was fucking slashed. You can't help but be reminded of it like every single time you go walk in. Oh, and I love it how um, she finds a therapist that she likes, but 
because of some bullshit capitalistic need she gets changed out look you guys finding a therapist is very very difficult it's like finding a person to marry Mm-hmm. It's like finding a drummer for your band. Like it's not something you just like walk out into the middle of the street and go, oh, I'll take you. And when we talk about like the mental health crisis, we just act like, oh, just get a therapist, have a therapist. Just why don't you have a therapist? It's not that easy, y'all. I have had therapists. T has had therapists. Several. It's did you say Adderall? I said several. I've had several. It's very hard to find a therapist. And when you do find a therapist that you connect with and that you like, it's extremely valuable and extremely rare. And the fact that Caitlin found someone that she liked and then it was rooted away from her because of some sort of weird healthcare system insurance bullshit construct that exists that it was taken away from her it's bullshit it's complete bullshit and that's not how these systems should work but Anyone that spent any kind of amount of time in the healthcare industry knows that none of this is toward your health. It's all toward the bottom line. And no one is going to walk out of here alive. And everyone is just trying to get their pound of money before you exit toward death. Sorry, T. No, yeah, I've been through several therapists at this point. And I'm Sans therapist. I am also Sans therapist. Maybe we should start going again. No, I I want to. Really I want to go. I just, <laughs> I'm I I think it's weird that we get to be these ages and we kind of like you just kind of like enter middle age and you finally figure out how things are so fucked up. You know, like you like you kind of like have breaths of it being fucked up you don't really know how exactly it uh, how fucked up it is until you like really arrive into some sort of adulthood and the fact that there's so much capitalism in the healthcare industry is so fucked up it's so fucked up money should have nothing to do with your physical health or your mental health that end all be all Money should have nothing to do with it. If I find a therapist that works out of my network, that should have nothing to do with it. It's about my well-being. It's about me be getting healthy. There should No, I I mean I I agree with you there. All right, T, do you have anything today. else to say? You're so mad today. I am really mad. It was 100 degrees here. Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Trauma Bonded. You can find our show where podcasts are kept. If you like us, please rate and review us on Apple or other places. Please compete with our favorite negative review, Oof. Rival that review. Write something beautiful and lovely if you like us. Thanks to Anon 
for sharing their story and giving us the opportunity to talk about it. Thanks to this Actually Happening team, including Whit Misseldine and the maker of our music and website, Nathaniel Trimboli. You can contact us at traumabondedpod at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at traumabondedpodofficial or visit our website at traumabondedpod.com. We are trauma bonded to the story, to the storyteller, to the listeners, and to each other. Thanks for spending time with us today. Love you, Ellie. Love you, Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.